Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside D. Lou as uh, we give our quick thoughts here on this episode of the uh, Short Side Option on K-State's matchup in the Liberty Bowl with uh, Navy in a bowl game that will come to you on New Year's Eve, 2.45 Central Time kickoff on ESPN. We'll give our thoughts on uh, the Liberty Bowl as well as uh, K-State's loss at home to Marquette, 73 uh, to 65 was the number there as uh, K-State drops one to Marquette, taking their record uh, to five and three on the season. As uh, you know, we're watching this game right now, uh, Delu against uh, Alabama State, and uh, K State uh, looks well on their way to uh, to get another win here. Uh, K State could have used some more of those uh, three pointers that they shot in the first half. I believe they had uh, was it ten in the first half uh, from behind the arc. Yes, K State was ten of fifteen from long range in the first half of this game. Well, we could have used uh, a few more of those, of course, on, on Saturday against Marquette. Uh, but let's let's first start start uh, talking about football. d it's great to have you on here uh, on this fine Wednesday evening. Uh, Icon, it's it's always uh, the, the pleasure is all mine. I'm happy to uh, be able to sit down uh, on another week with you and uh, discuss... K-State sports and uh, related sports stories. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and talk about maybe the biggest uh, sports story involving K-State right now is K-State's going to Liberty Bowl. Uh, They will be playing Navy. What are your thoughts on that bowl matchup for the Cats? Well, on Sunday, you know as well as anybody, I was pretty despondent. Um, You were, absolutely. with With the matchup, I think... K State really got slighted. Um, it was. It, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. it's a complete slap in the face. Yeah, it is, and it's it's a slap in the face to uh, the football team, the coaching staff, and the fans. And so, um, I would have been just fine. K State declining this opportunity to play in the Liberty Bowl and declining really any non New Year's Six Bowl in the future, especially if the Camping World Bowl comes calling next year. Um, and saying thanks but no thanks. You guys had your chance last year, and you decided to opt for those uh, Iowa State Cyclones. And you know, elephants don't forget, and neither does neither do Wildcats, as it were. Um, but in any event, come come later on Sunday evening. Uh, I was okay. I, I changed my mind, and I was fine. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, you were you were easy to forgive. Yeah, well, I started I started looking at Navy, and I thought, yeah, these guys aren't these guys are no joke. Um, I think it's a really lousy situation overall because I, I don't care for the matchup very much. Um, and it's there's not a lot of prestige in this bowl game, but whatever, who cares? <laughs> that's I mean, that's kind of where I ended up with it. And it's like, okay, well, whether it's, you know, the Camping World Bowl or the Liberty Bowl or... It's not like the Camping World Bowl has some great tradition in Big 12. I mean, I guess that would... It would have got you a higher profile opponent. Yeah, but which would have been cool. But it's not like, you know, I just whatever. I it, I just reached a point where I was like, I I don't care anymore. And so, so you're, you're so coping well, with it well. And that should be the that should be the Liberty Bulls tagline this year. It's well, do you do you really actually care? <laughs> 
Yeah, like, well, get over it. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's where a, else would you rather be? It's a football game between two fringe top twenty-five teams, and so that's what you're going to get. And you're going to get it in Bluff City, Memphis, USA. That's right. The you know the city by the bay they call it. Not quite, but uh, you know it, it'll be a nice opportunity for for K State. You know, I would say, uh, you know, as we look with. K-State finishing the season at 8-4, and four, the regular season at 8-4, and four, I think it would be safe to say that K-State's had a nice season. Yeah, you know, we had a nice season. Yeah, and, you know, we played um, we played two teams with legitimate chances to win the national championship with Baylor and Oklahoma. And, uh, you know... If we would have gone to the Alma Bowl, for example, we would have had three teams that had legitimate shots at the national championship. Baylor, Oklahoma... In Utah. That's right. But so no dice. No dice. So uh, we will see kind of how this uh, matchup, and we'll, we'll, of course, preview this matchup as it gets a little bit closer uh, to fruition. We'll be, uh, of course, keeping us keeping you updated here on the Short Side Option Podcast, and we'll give our full preview and prediction uh, at a later time. But I think K-State fans were, you know, upset with having fallen to the, the lowest tier Big 12 bowl game that they could have fallen to. Uh, with, with Absolutely it was, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, when you look at that, you see teams like Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Texas get selected ahead of K-State. Texas, you could obviously understand why, due to just their national recognition. Um, Oklahoma State, yeah, they beat us head-to-head, I guess you Maybe if you're looking at it that way, you don't have too much of an issue with Iowa State. You know, we had more wins, beat them head-to-head, uh, but it, it seemed... Well, from, the deal with Oklahoma State is they went to the Liberty Bowl last yeah, year. Yeah, last year. So they so, and that makes perfect sense. There is an element that these bowl games have to look at, you know, prior matchups, and, you know, you don't want to have the same team uh, go to the same bowl. But that barring often. that, I wish they would just do it on merit. Well, there. Yeah. That, I mean, I mean, I I understand not wanting to do repeats, but I, I wish they it would just be like a. It feels like back in the old days, the third place team in the Big Twelve always went to the Holiday Bowl, and the second place team in the Big Twelve always went to the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl and, the and maybe Bowl, maybe yes. there was more devious stuff happening behind the scenes there. But I mean, hell, we went to the we went to the Cotton Bowl in two thousand eleven. Uh-huh. Texas went Oklahoma, to a Texas believe, went to a bowl game that year. And, and yeah, so didn't select the Texas. Big 12 sent Oklahoma State to the Fiesta Bowl in 2011. K-State went to the Cotton Bowl. OU went to, um, believe it was, I can't remember exactly what the bowl was, but it was they played Iowa out in Tempe at what was like the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Okay. But, yeah. it, but it was different. I think it might have still been the inside bowl. Let me, you know, let me uh, check on that real quick. Well, here. and so that, that's just a weird thing about it. it, it it's like in it some seemed years, like it was relatively cut and dry. Then. Well, in some years it matters what your record is, in some years it doesn't. Um, and so whatever, like the people that are like, well, you know, if you don't like the Liberty Bowl, K State should have just beat West Virginia and Texas. Well, maybe, but that wouldn't change the fact that K State wouldn't have been in a New Year's Six game. And it wouldn't have, and so in that respect, there's nothing stopping the Alamo Bowl from still selecting Texas over K State there. Mm-hmm. I mean, going ten and two doesn't make K State all of a sudden have a 
great traveling fan base. And yeah. so I, I don't know that it, it necessarily is true that if K-State wins two more games that they're way higher up. I mean, because it, it just... I don't know. I don't know about... So I just rested on this. I don't know how any of it works anymore. And so I don't really care all that much. If, if K-State yeah. goes to the Liberty Bowl, whatever. I think the Fine. biggest thing that I, I've come taken away from this is having an athletic director that really... Um, that really politics for your team. Uh, you saw that a little bit with Iowa State uh, as they got the nod over um, over K State and others uh, to get to the Camping World Bowl. That's a big part of it, and uh, K State didn't do a good enough job there. And uh, in my opinion, that's something that K State fell short at. Well, uh, maybe. We I mean, but we don't know what happened. I mean, we, we don't know how much the politicking really matters because at the end of the day, the Bulls can always say, well. Listen, K-State had to sell back half their allotment at the whatever the last game was where we played UCLA. Was that the, the uh, game in yeah, Phoenix? The, uh, the, the Buffalo Wild Wings? No, it wasn't that. What was it? It was the Cactus Bowl. Yeah, the, the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. The Cacti Bowl. And so I was reading an article today, and it said K-State sold back half of their like 6,000 ticket allotment for that. Oh, really? And so Yeah, and okay. so it's like, you know, maybe... Well, didn't obviously, go hard if, enough, if, but if there's always going to be some rationale. Yeah, sure. So I don't, I don't know whose fault it is. Whether it's K State fans' fault, whether it's just Iowa State fans are just that impressive. Whether Gene was doing a lousy job, or whether the K State football team should have won two more games. Who knows? But the bottom line is, whatever. I think the K State football team should just won four more games. Well, then that, that would have just three more games definitely would have made a difference. And I think just why just stop at three? Just have four. Win sure. Four more. Yeah, but my but people saying, well, we really needed to take care of business against West Virginia. Well, yeah, it would have been great, but yeah. I don't know that that would have necessarily got us into a better bowl game than we're in now. I don't yeah. know the rationale for that putting yeah. us in a better bowl game than we're in now. But in any event, Navy is a top twenty-five team right now. Yeah, at, at the time team. of this recording, K State's a short underdog to Navy. Mm-hmm. After opening up as a as a believe a two and a half two point favorite or so. That's correct. And uh, so it should be a, a a good game between two teams that'll run the football. Um, if you have plans for uh, December thirty first, which I know people tend to have plans for that date. Oh, I don't. Um, you're just you're just grind. I I you lock, put on a pot of coffee. I lock myself in a in a room and I just uh, I watch football all day. There you go. Well, the good news for you is this game shouldn't take up too much of your day. Because be, these are clock, two, that clock will be moving, folks. These are two teams that love to run the football, and uh, and I think that's what we're going to get uh, on December 31st. Uh, K-State fans that are interested in maybe seeing a little bit of Navy uh, beforehand, uh, Navy's regular season is not quite yet uh, concluded. They play Army in the Army-Navy game. Saturday at 2 o'clock on CBS. So, uh, for K-State fans that uh, are wanting to get a chance to watch Navy and also gain a chance to watch one of the better rivalries in college football, great chance to do it. One of the better rivalries in college football that gets just a ton of publicity between two teams that usually aren't all that good? Oh, Dell. <laughs> I don't know. I don't... I, it blows my mind that... Non-military people actually like tune in to watch Army Navy. Oh well, it's, I always like kind of watching that style of football personally. I guess, but they play eleven other games. Yeah, during the course of the season. How many of those games are on national television? Probably all of them. 
You can, are you telling me you can't watch Navy games on TV oh, in this day and age? Maybe, but I mean, I don't know where the Navy UConn game was on earlier this year. You you mind telling me where that game? Where I, I think that, that game, game on? was on uh, uh, NBC SN. Okay. Uh, I know the Notre Dame Navy game was on television this yeah. season. Yeah, well, it looks actually like they do play most of their games on CBS Sports Network. So uh, CBS for, Sports for Network. folks that don't have you know premium cable, well, one shame on you uh, for not having that, so you can grind on these these sports stories with us. But uh, I do like watching the style of style of ball too, there, where you have these. I like watching attacks. it because it's the only game on that weekend. Pretty yeah, much. you get the Heisman lead, lead in the Heisman ceremony. Yeah, so. Uh, but this year I'll be tuning in for sure. Yeah, because it's K-State's bull opponent. Give it a give a nice little scout report on that. So, well, let's uh, switch the subject now to basketball. K-State drops one to Marquette. You were there. I was there. That's right. And uh, you know it was a game that K-State just kind of got avalanched under pretty early. Um, gosh, when you look at this Marquette team, uh, shot the ball. Pretty darn well from outside, 12 of 22 from behind the arc. Uh, kind of similar to what we're seeing right now from what K-State's doing from a, from an offensive standpoint uh, in terms of shooting the ball from behind the arc. But really, I mean, look at look at this game. Shoot, if you tell me we hold Marcus Howard to only 19 points, I'd feel, hey, well, that's, that's pretty good for our chances. Uh, but Jamal Kane stepped up real big for him. Um, Sakara Autumn uh, was very good for Marquette as well. Uh, Marquette rebounded the ball well too, um, out rebounding K State uh, by about ten in this in this uh, game. K State just had a few too many um, stretches of just bad basketball. They you know getting down, I believe it was thirteen at the half, and um, I think the lead got out to fifteen for Marquette. Before K-State went on a really nice run uh, to cut it down to a one-point lead. It was 45-44. And then uh, Marquette was just able to kind of keep K-State at arm's length the rest of the way and, and uh, was able to coast that to a victory. So, uh, Dylan, what did you kind of see uh, it, you know, when you were watching this matchup? I wasn't able to watch the game. Why, why is that? Uh, I was at a uh, – this was on Saturday, right? It sure was. I was at a, uh, a party with non-K-State people and could only – you were, Look you were, at my phone periodically. So, <laughs> so you were my eyes and ears at this. Uh, so you were having a social outing. I was having a social outing. Um, you know, during sports season, I don't really care for those, but sometimes you have commitments that are, are beyond your control. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I understand. You're a well-rounded guy. You know, you're kind of, you know, obviously, you grind on sports stories. You, As do you. And, you, you know, you rub elbows with the uh, socialites around in around town. High society. High society man. Yeah. That's right. That's you. But so so you tell me, Icon. What it well and it seems like K State's been I haven't been paying too much attention to the basketball season yet. I've been watching games here and there when I can. Well but I'm not it, but I'm not always, hobnobbing. Yeah, it's always been your mantra that you don't switch your eyes to the hardwood until the cleats and jersey or the cleats and helmets and and uh you know, all that stuff's hung up. It's hard. This period of the year is really hard for me because I'm so invested in uh, the gridiron that I don't have much time for the hardwood. Yeah, I hear and you. So, uh, you know, and that really continues through uh, the end of, well, until K-State plays their bowl game and until the recruiting 
for the years pretty much over and the and all the guys are signed. So uh but you are a maestro of the round ball. You you know everything about K State hoops. And so why don't you be our guide here, okay. Icon? You tell- and tell us what's been kind of haranguing K State here in the early going. Well, I think what what I would say is it's simple as not having enough guys that can shoot the ball. I mean, if you really want to boil it down for a little bit, I think you know guys like uh, Xavier Sneed. He, I mean, when I say that we haven't not having guys that shot the ball well, you watch this game. You know, uh, last night as we're recording this here on a Wednesday against Alabama State, and you're saying, shoot, if we can get this kind of not even this, but like seventy percent of this shooting production for uh, for the rest of the season will be will be a okay. But with K State right now, I think that you you're trying to figure out some roles a little bit better. Uh, obviously, the shooting hasn't been very good from outside. Uh, as a team, K State shooting at under thirty percent um, at the time of of this podcast. Um, that will of course go up tonight uh, after after these stats get get tabulated in. But really, when you look at it, geez, I mean, Cartier Jada, 8 of 38 from downtown throughout the first, uh, throughout the first eight games. Xavier Steed at 30%. Uh, you expect him to, to get that, um, you know, up to about 35%. That's where he shot at for his career. Uh, but Mike McGurl, he's shooting 45% from behind the arc, so that's good. You maybe like to see him maybe take a little bit, uh, take some more shots. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of maybe stretch that out a little bit. So I think the shooting's been uh, cold to start off with, but I think that's something that will eventually round into form. The other thing that I'd say is probably the biggest uh, thing that I think this team is adjusting through right now is just kind of figuring out roles. Um, when you have four guys, uh, or, well, excuse me, three guys last year with Barry Brown, Zay, or Barry Brown Dean Wade, and uh, Kamal Stokes, yeah, had guys that had a ton of experience, knew their role, and they were looked at as go-to guys in certain situations. Uh, you know, shot clock running down. Um, you know, you get the ball to Barry and watch him watch him go drive and finish. Uh, whether if it's Dean way down the block, dump it into him, let him go to work and and uh, and get a basket there. So there are some new roles that have to be developed on this team, and you're also doing this while sprinkling in guys like uh, Antonio Gordon, who uh, as a true freshman. Is seen a lot of action, and he's. I think he's done a really good job in the action that he's been seeing. Uh, but uh, Mark Montavious Murphy, uh, of course, sidelined with an injury uh, for the first after starting the first uh, three games. Is a guy that once he gets back, he'll add some more uh, some more depth to the front court. And I think it's just at this point, it's just trying to find some roles on, on where everyone fits in and, and how uh, how they best habitate together. Well, and that's something that. You know, I think it takes that, time. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's just growing pains, um, that kind of clicking together and figuring out roles is something that happens throughout the season. The concern is that you don't take too long figuring that out to where you kind of lose most of the season. I mean, yeah. it, it can't take too long, or else you're really surrendering any hope for an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, and depending on what the bubble looks like, this it's a little too early to project things either way. But uh, it's it's a rough start for Wildcats fans who uh, are hoping to be dancing in March. 
Yeah, but I would say the biggest thing, too, is there are still some games that K-State um, has in this non-conference that could, that could help them out come Selection Sunday. I think the big one is this Saturday uh, against Mississippi State. And uh, that's a game that K-State, um, it's going to be an early uh, tip-off, 1030, um, on ESPNU where we uh, go to Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center. 10.30 a.m.? That's right. Too early. Too early for you. It's, that, that game is on too early in the morning. Well, wakey-wakey, D'Lo. Because it's time for so. some hoops. It's time for some Bruce. 10.30 a.m. How about that, huh? It's at 8.30 a.m. on the West Coast for all our West Coast listeners. Yeah. Set your alarm clocks. Set them early. Yeah. But um, that's a big game for K-State. They need to win... They need to win that one. They also, it would be great if they could get St. Louis. They really, in my estimation, any way of salvaging this non-conference season um, kind of has to take place here these last um, these last three or these last three games, not counting tonight against Alabama A and M. Now they're they're well on their way to or Alabama State. Excuse me, I've called them Alabama A and M earlier tonight, but. Um, yeah, I think K-State still has – it's too early to start panicking. I think the Big 12 is going to be a, a very good conference this year, as it is as it is every year. The opportunity for quality wins will exist there. But if K-State wants to get anything uh, done in the non-conference portion of the schedule, um, there's no more margin for error there. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's still obviously plenty of time for K-State to have what I think most K-State fans would consider to be a nice season. Um but that this learning curve for the new guys is um, fast approaching um, time to get that figured out. Because, as you mentioned, if this non-con is going to be salvaged, it's going to have to be salvaged here in the next week or two. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Well, any, any other thoughts to add on the, on the hardwood before we, uh, before we close the drawer on uh, this segment? You know... One thing I would like to add is K-State has – the one thing I, I really think is probably the most encouraging about what I've seen from the newcomers um, so far as they've just kind of started gelling in is with the amount of newcomers we have, K-State's defense has not really slacked off much from where it was last year. Uh, when you look at uh, where K-State is Ken Palm-wise, um, defensive efficiency – uh, number 23 in the country, really good. Um, no one is, has a higher percentage of steals on opponents' possessions than K-State so far in the country. That's pretty impressive. And nobody's training opponents more often on more percentage of their possessions than K-State. No one's turning them over? Uh, only one other team is. And Delu. any idea on what team that might be? You know, I think it's uh, Loyola uh, Marymount. No, it's actually Stephen F. Austin, which you will remember was the former home of Brad Underwood. That is correct, and also upset number one Duke earlier. Oh, that's season. true too. So the Kyle, Lumberjacks, yeah, Kyle Keller now the uh, the head man uh, down in Nacogdoches. But uh, anyway, this K State defense, and the, that's the identity of this team is uh, to to be in these grinders with with teams where they're going to. 
you know, it's going to be a low possession, 58-55 game. That's how K-State is going to have to play this year if they're going to have some success uh, against some teams. Uh, these low possession games aren't exactly the most fun to watch, but uh, these defensive grinders are, are K-State's bread and butter, especially with a team that, as we've seen so far, has struggled to score. Yeah, well, hopefully the Scorpion uh, gets the act together. And uh, one notable point, Shania Williams. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. So, my only so from my lack of knowledge perspective, here's my view on Shania Williams this season. He was suspended for quite a while. He came back for like two seconds against Arkansas Pine Bluff, jacked up a couple hilarious threes, and uh, did he play much against Marquette? Uh, he played a little in the first half, but in terms of a minute count on that, I don't think he got more than um, more than a handful, two or three. Yeah, it seems like he and the uh, Scorpion uh, never quite saw eye to eye this year. And uh, but who knows? But in any event, Sean uh, is now in the transfer portal. He has now entered the portal. <laughs> I saw it today on Twitter. He said it. My recruitment is 100% open. It's like, you're not decommitting. Well, his recruitment's 100% open. <laughs> I mean... I guess so. He's open for business. Yeah. So... But, well, and maybe that uh, that departure, who knows what was going on, but maybe that departure uh, will help uh, the team gel a little bit. But who knows? Well, it's... it's, it's you hate to see a, a talent like Sean Neal Williams uh, leave, but... You know, during his time here, there were, you can't say he really added all that much from a practical on-court perspective. Am I off base there? No, not necessarily. He had his two biggest games uh, last year were against um, against Oklahoma State in that home game that was just a complete blowout. You remember that one? Yep. We got out to like a fifteen nothing lead, I think it was. And then he had some good minutes against Texas Tech last year in a conference game uh, on the road in Lubbock. <coughs> Excuse me. I, folks, I've been battling a brutal cold, so bear with me if I sound a little bit under the weather. But, um, you know, a guy that was top 150 guy coming out of coming out of high school, uh, teammates with Xavier Sneed, um, high school, I believe, uh, with, with Xavier Sneed, so... You know, a guy that had you could see the ability. I mean, long arms look to be a have the potential anyway to be a plus defender, but uh, just can never quite get it ironed out. And uh, you know, we wish him the best. But uh, at this point, I think it's best for both parties to kind of go separate ways. Yep, and no doubt we'll see him sometime in the future. Is uh, what will probably be a Wildcat legend. I, I think he might be uh, might be just exactly what we're looking for. The induction, the, look for him in the 2026 class um, for uh, K-State's Wildcat Legends. Yeah, I think that's it. Well, that pretty well wraps it up uh, for the basketball and football portion of this edition of the short side option. After a short break, we'll be back where Delu comes to us with another in the long line of Wildcat legends, and we'll answer your questions and ask the icon. Back after this. All right, we are back on this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, We are where we are now getting into a segment where we highlight this week's Wildcat legend. An icon? 
This week's Wildcat legend plays basketball. He is... He plays basketball, huh? Yeah, we're, we're getting away from football. Getting away from the football. For a moment. For a couple weeks here while uh, we can turn our attention to uh, other things. Okay. I'm... And focus on some uh, masters of, uh, of the round ball. Okay, let's hear it. I'm, I'm, I'm in. So this legend hails from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. He played at Hazelwood Central High School. Hmm. Okay. He's number one. He's a guard. Number one in your program, number one in your heart. That's right. Not to be confused with Bobby Walker. This is a basketball okay. segment. Okay. Not to be confused with Joshua Freeman. Again, basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what else. He was on the spring 2019 Big 12 Commissioner's Honor Roll. Okay. Does that give you a hint? I I have a, I have my guess on who it might be, but I'll let you just. I tell I'm me. of course highlighting Wildcat legend Sean Neal Williams. He well, that's what I would like to call a fast tracked induction. <laughs> First ballot. I thought it would take a while. Guess what? He's on a rocket right to the moon. Uh, so Sean Neal Williams, this week's Wildcat legend. Uh, you know he had a short career at K State, but certainly a, an impactful one. Uh, played in 30 games. His uh, freshman year, including each of the last 11 games, averaging 7.1 minutes uh, per game. Um, that minute total grew in Big 12 play, where he averaged 9.1, with five double-digit minute totals and a season-high 27 minutes against Oklahoma State. You know, and he also had uh, quite a few minutes against Texas Tech, if I remember uh, correctly, too. Uh, but he averaged 1.4 points on 24.1% shooting, including 22.6% from three-point range, uh, with a little over uh, one rebound a game, 1.1, and uh, 0.6 assists per game. And connected uh, seven times from the free throw line out of 12 attempts. Yeah. So, more than 50% there. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he uh, scored in nine of his games, including four in Big 12 play including a season-high 10 points in a win against Oklahoma State at home. Mm, yeah. That's the that's the game you were talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, also totaled seven points in his first Big 12 road game at uh, Texas Tech. Yeah, Texas Technical. And they were – Texas Tech was pretty good last year. They went to the Final Four. went to the National Championship game. Seconds uh, away from winning that thing. They lost in the National Title game, of course. Yes. Uh, but I can rattle off st- stats about Shania Williams all day. But what really sticks out to me in his career is uh, in this current season when he <laughs> fired up this two, <laughs> this two yeah. three-point bombs against Arkansas. You know, I remember watching Fine that game up. with you, and you uh, you said, I like this kid's moxie. And I did. Because that guy, he's just been itching to get into the game for, like, weeks. <laughs> and he comes in, and the last... Two minutes of garbage time, and I swear those are, some of, those are some of the longest, like three point shots that aren't like just like half prayers yeah. at the end of the game uh, that I've ever seen. Some those are like the longest set shots I've seen out of somebody. Yeah, in a college game, I was just and after the first one, I was like, whoa, 
like Bruce ain't gonna be happy about that. But I liked it because it was funny. And then like on the next possession or like two possessions after that, he shoots one even longer. It's like this guy's this guy's a maniac. <laughs> this guy's a wild. Opposed, about- the film on this guy is gonna be. You have to guard him. <laughs> Don't give him an open look. A loaded range. Yeah. So I uh, didn't connect on either of those, but well, you know it happens. <laughs> Hey, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So, uh, well, yeah, you know, and then you look back at his time at K-State, and, you know, there there, there are moments like that that kind of make him, you know, memorable for, for Wildcat fans and will make him memorable uh, for years to come. Yeah, and we're, we're eager to see uh, where he lands. Uh, we're certainly sorry to see him go. And, we're, um, and we wish nothing but the best for him. You absolutely. Know, we, 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 you know, hope, uh, you know, nothing but the best for Shaw as he uh, – as he tries to uh, continue on uh, his path as a basketball player, uh, got plenty of talent, and we, we hope to uh, hope to see great things from him down the road. You know, um, you're a, it's a little reminiscent of another highly talented guard that came under Bruce Weber. That oh, I thought you were going to say Des Willingham, uh, former Woolery recruit. No, I'm guard. thinking of a different. Guard. Oh, oh, okay. Um, Go ahead. They came in and kind of had a. You know, a guy who you just looked at and had a ton of potential um, that that transfers out and just didn't quite live up to the to what you thought his potential would be at K State, and that's uh, that's Marcus Foster. Well, and you know that worked out for Marcus Foster the, the transfer, and he kind of he really did live up to his potential, and I think afterwards said you know it was the best movie ever made, um, and really helped him out. Yeah, so, you you hope that's the the same is true for uh, Sean. Yeah, and and, and Dilo, Marcus Foster though had a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more to him. In Gravitas. Yeah, a little bit more. Uh, he I think he scored more than you know, ten points in a couple of games. So I mean, but regardless, it's it's yeah, a, a change guy, of scenery that was needed. Yeah, absolutely, and, that, and that's why I'm not saying that it was second you know, team All Big Twelve. Well, right, but also the. Sean was playing behind some guards last year that were a little better than I think what we had on the roster during Marcus Foster's freshman year too. I, granted, I think Marcus Foster probably had a, a little more talent his freshman year as well. But all that to say that you know some of the, sometimes these young guys with a ton of talent uh, we've seen at least once before where they come to K State um, and they act up or whatever, and get a nice little change of scenery, and it turns out better for everybody. Yeah. And so, uh, hope nothing for the best, but uh, for Sean, and we're excited to see where he lands, and uh, I'll always remember him as a Wildcat legend. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will as well. And we certainly hope our listeners remember him in their hearts, in their minds, and their souls, as this week's Wildcat legend. And now, Mike, you're getting into our final segment on the show. All right. And this is a this has become a listener favorite. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? it kind of has. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, this week will be no exception. Uh, this is a segment that we call AVI, where listeners can submit their questions to the Short Side Options' very own Chris the Icon Sork, and he'll answer them for you right here on the air. And he'll give you his thoughts on it. And they're always cogent and very uh, thought well thought out. Oh, they always are, yeah. And uh, that's right. 
listeners can submit their questions to the icon uh, by writing to us on Twitter. Uh, and our Twitter account is at TSSO underscore podcast. Or you can submit them to us uh, using the hashtag AskTheIcon uh, or hashtag ADI, um, whichever you prefer. Or, um, you know, tunneling uh, under our uh, apartment and digging up and just popping your head up right right through our floor. Yeah, and just asking that would be nice. Yeah, that'd be a nice you know, way. Like a, like a gopher. Yeah, groundhog. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have questions this week. Uh, and our first one comes from listener Tyler H at TH8 underscore on Twitter. Tyler has a trio of questions this week. And the first one is as follows. Icon, how do you feel about the Steinbrenners continually ruining baseball? Hashtag ABI, hashtag three and out. Well, I assume that, um, that Tyler is referring to Garrett Cole's recent deal with the Yankees. Nine years, $324 million for Garrett Cole to don the pinstripes. Um, How many years? Nine. That's a long nine. contract. Nine. Hmm. Uh, on, on, the, uh, on the years. A 29-year-old pitcher, um, f- obviously uh, was big part of the Houston Astros' success last year. Should have won the Cy Young. Uh, did not, but should have. Clearly the best pitcher in the game. He is a New York Yankee, and I, for one, cannot be more pleased about it. So to answer Tyler's question, I quite frankly don't see how the Steinbrenners are doing anything wrong, and I think they should be commended for their bravado of going out and uh, making the Yankees, or in doing what makes the Yankees the Yankees. And that's being the best. Hmm. All right. Well, that's uh, that's been our baseball corner this week. And uh, Tyler always asks great questions. He does. Uh, always and, poignant. And he asks the second question. He says, Icon, regarding Tech stomping Louisville, how was Tech able to replace so much easier from last year's team so quickly? Is it easier to recruit to Lubbock than Manhattan, Kansas? Well, uh, Chris Beard has done a great job replenishing the talent there. Of course, Texas Tech has, has dropped some games early on, a couple of those in overtime. Uh, but they got a great win over over Louisville last night. And, uh, you know, Chris Beard's a great coach. He's one of the better coaches in the country. And uh, you thought they'd be down a little bit from where they were at. And I don't think that they're going to quite be a Final Four caliber team as they were last year. Uh, but good good. To, Recruiter, good coach, uh, makes that always a tough combo. Uh, and Texas Tech's going to be a tough out for anyone this year in the Big 12. And our final question in this week's three and out from Tyler H. Uh, Tyler asks... Oh, he's doing his own personal three and out. Yeah, that's right. How about that? Credit to him. Tyler says, Icon, with the game against Navy coming up, I challenge you to find a more dominant NCAA video game offense than OU running the flex bone. With Adrian Peterson and Paul Thompson at quarterback. Ooh, that would be nice. You like to see that? That'd be nice. Well, so I'm thinking back to you know the the, the several iterations of NCAA football. Well, and you were intramural champion at NCAA football, right? Yes, I was. Always an athlete. Uh, also, back to back sports trivia champion at Kansas State. 
I got a trivia question for you. Please. Who has hit the most home runs in a baseball season? In a Major League Baseball season? Yeah. Well, the record books would say Barry Lamar Bonds has hit the most. But not, not, uh, not in my eye. Who do you think it is? Henry? I think it's Roger Maris at 61. Mm. Didn't it's Hank not, Aaron have a lot, too, at some point? Uh, he has the most home runs, second most home runs in, in baseball history for a career. Who has the most? Barry Bonds. Wow. Folks, this is why he's the icon. I tell you what. Yeah. So. Well, but anyway, to answer Tyler's question, um, I really liked playing with Arkansas back in the day. Like, this was probably like 2008-ish, 2007-ish, with a Darren McFadden, Felix Jones uh, in that backfield. Um, this is, of course, when they were running the uh, the Wild Hog occasionally down there at Arkansas. Um Darren McFadden's one of my favorite college players of all time, and uh, he was a real treat on that game. Of course, um, West Virginia with the Pat White, Steve Slayton, Noel Devine offense, uh, running the option out of that attack was was very good. Of course, uh, on the most recent iteration of that game, NCAA Football 2014, uh, the Braxton Miller, uh, Carlos Hyde one-two punch in the backfield was nothing to scoff at either. Uh, for for a uh, a running game, so lots of great um, lots of great options. But I've given you a couple to choose from. I think the Pat White, Steve Slayton, Noel Devine uh, trifecta there might be uh, might be able to surpass that Oklahoma flexbone attack. An encyclopedic knowledge of baseball home runs and video game uh, history. Uh, displayed That's right. by the icon there. That's right. So, Thanks. great question and a, and a heck of an answer by the icon. But we've come to expect nothing less. Uh, our next question comes from listener Trim at Trim Goema. Trim says, Many people, including other less prominent K-State podcasts, were tremendously off in their bull bid predictions. Hmm. Uh, Tempty starts its bull season tomorrow night with Kate and Dave. Oh, yeah. And Slick Rick... And the one KB said should take her wig off. That's what right. Are, he did say that. What are your predictions for those couples? So we're talking. <sighs> Boy, uh, this is tough. Kate and Dave. Oh, and, that. Well, that's obvious how that one's going. And uh, Slick Rick and Ashley. Uh, I forget which initial. I think which, she's Ashley G. Ashley G. Okay. Uh, Rick's girlfriend. Yes. So so what do you think? With uh, let's start with Kate and Dave. Oh, they're split. You think so? Yeah. I, I don't think there's any... I don't know. I don't know. Are you serious? I am. I could see... You know, there's something about David that... David. David. That... Stonehenge. Don't... I, I'm going to hit you with the not-so-fast, my friend. Oh, Drew, you're delusional. Because you're I... Del, you're delusional. 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 Um, but... You know, I think the I think hey. the underdog pick might might surprise you there, and they might just leave that island together. You know, maybe, but I would be, I'd be shocked. I'd be very disappointed in Kate. I'd be shocked if that was if that took place. But you know what I do expect? 
I expect some shaky voice and a bizarre accent from Kate tomorrow night in the final bonfire. She, yeah, she she gets the shaky voice for sure. I don't necessarily pick up on an accent. I just pick up more on the shaky voice. Yeah, very uh, strange. Uh, and for, next, uh, but Rick, for Rick and Ashley, um, that one I don't know which way that's going to go. I I think I do. You do? What's I think they're thoughts? leaving together. I think that was if I had to say gun to my head, I would say that. But um, I don't know, man. Rick, he's kind of kind of all over the place. I'm not yeah. quite sure. Who knows about Rick, man? Yeah, yeah. So. They call him slick for a reason. It's because he can't put your thumb on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's slippery, man. Yeah. Uh, but a great question from Trim. Uh, we'll certainly recap um, to this week's episode and, and Temptation Island as a whole uh, the next time we chat. Uh, next question comes from listener Easy Stevesy at SL Keck. Stevesy asks, who will keep our draft streak alive? Icon, does the draft streak survive another year? There, I think there are two options. I think there are probably two as well. Reggie Walker and Scott Franz. I think are your two most likely candidates. Until uh, get any have any hope? Not likely. What about I, a guy like Kaltmeyer? Mm, yeah, maybe. I, it wouldn't yeah. shock me if one of our offensive linemen went late, late, yeah, late. Yeah, like it's going to be sixth or seventh round. I would um, agree. You know, whether if it's Franz or Kaltmeyer or Holtor, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I, I, but I would say, I actually was looking at this the other day, kind of looking at because I was thinking about this. The streak I think might be coming to an end. I thought coming into the year that it would be France, but you know, I I think it was probably a disappointing year for him personally. Um, just from a, from a, the perspective of what he did this season, just because I think coming into the year, people thought this guy might be Dalton Risner. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he kind of quite got that hype. Um, so we'll see, but, yeah. I, but it wouldn't shock me if somebody off the offensive line went or if Reggie went or if Angel went, I would put the chances of any one of those things happening. Uh, certainly less than fifty percent. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, but the combined, I think one of those things happening, maybe one in three. I think there's a shot. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think that the, if the streak's going to come to an end, this is the year. I I agree too because there's I don't think there's any doubt that next year uh, we get guys drafted. Probably Wyatt Hubert if he decides. Yeah, to if go. he decides, I hope I hope he doesn't. Uh, me too. But we'll, we'll certainly uh, find out. But So right now, Betting Man is the streak dead. The streak's dead. Wow. But also, Betting Man, who's most likely to get drafted? Who are you saying? Reggie. Give me Kaltmeier. You like Kaltmeier, huh? I think he's probably been... I think he's got the most projectable frame, and I think he's probably been one of the steadier players that K-State's had on the offensive line all season. You know, depending on how, um, you know, I, you have to think NFL offensive line coaches see that kind of frame, and they think that they can work with that. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I think he'll uh, I think he'll have a uh, – I think he might have – I think a lot of these guys will all have chances to make a roster, but whether or not they get drafted – uh, that remains to be seen, of course. 
All right. Well, great question, and we'll be uh, eager to see what happens with that one. Uh, next question, uh, and our last asker this week on this week's segment of AVI is listener Eric at E. Renick on Twitter. Eric asks two questions. The first is the following. Will Darren Sproles be the first number 43 inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame? So, I assume that there's no 43s that have been previously... Yeah, I think the question is, is Darren Sproles a Hall of Famer? You know, if this was a question regarding the Baseball Hall of Fame, I'd feel like a lot. I would have a lot better point to answer this from. Because in... In professional football, well, first of all, first of all, I can't even tell you who's all in the Hall of Fame because it's just a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Now, Darren Sproles, I assume he is going to hang him up this year. I uh, think that after the injury, I think. It yeah. Was. Now he had that injury. The same thing happened to him last year. And then he kind of, you know, at the end said, "We're going to give it one more." Yeah, shot. deal me back in here. Mm-hmm. And. Um, but now he's just so old. Yeah, I mean, he's going to finish in the top five. I know definitely top ten, I think top five in terms of all-purpose yardage in NFL history. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, kick returns, punt returns, you know, rushing, receiving, all figure in that. And, um, you know, he's been all around for, golly, I mean, 14, 15 years in the NFL now. It came out in the 2004 class. 2005 class, draft class. Sure. But, uh, so, you know, 14-year NFL career. Um, and, you know, he was still returning kicks and punts. He was still returning punts uh, this season. So, speaks to his longevity to, to handle what's, you know, kind of a a younger man's role, so to speak, in terms of you don't see too many 8-, 9-, 10-year vets out there returning punts. You don't see very many people over the age of 40 – you know, I don't think he's he's not at forty, is he? I believe he is. If he graduated, in, he would have graduated in two thousand five. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that puts him okay. So not quite forty. Thirty six. Okay, you're trying to age him real bad, man. He's only thirty six. Yeah, huh. June twenty nineteen eighty three. Wow, stand corrected. So, I got some extra time here. That's a, yeah, that's I was going to say, he's got, if you're saying that he's got, um, if you're saying, you know, guys playing up into their 40s, he's got, yeah, I mean, he just yeah, entered his he's prime. He's four years. Yeah. yeah so, um, to answer this question, though, I really don't know what makes an NFL Hall of Famer. I would say probably he does get in because based upon the numbers, I know in baseball, they typically call, call these kind of players compilers. Where you compile enough stats, you got climb high enough up on the list, and you stay around long enough that you find your way in. And I think that might be what happened. And that's not to diminish Darren Sproles' career. I mean, he was one of the best kick returners, punt returners in the game for for a stretch of period, and he did it for a long time. I just can't speak to what makes a Hall of Famer in the NFL. But if I had a vote, I'm voting Darren Sproles in. Absolutely, we'll uh, keep our eye on that. Uh, and then our last question this week. Also deals with professional football. Uh, and a team that you uh, follow quite closely. Uh, Eric asks, will the Cowboys be the worst team in history to make the playoffs? 
It's a bad team. The question, oh. I, I think the, the real question here is, does this Cowboys team make the playoffs? Yeah, that's what, that's really the question. Because it, it's it? a, I mean, I don't, I look at their schedule. They've got games against the Rams this week. I believe it's Rams this week, Eagles next week, Redskins the following week. And so that's a waltz through pretty soft NFC, I think. Um. You might say that, but I, I look at that schedule and I don't quite know where they're winning the game. The way they've looked these last three weeks. I don't know why they haven't canned Jason Garrett's ass yet. He needs to be canned okay. pronto. Sit down. Just settle down a little it bit. It makes my blood boil watching that bum sit over there and... Do you do say it makes your Ben Boyle? No, Ben Boyle, he's... I know he draws your ire. <laughs> Can him. Yeah. <clears throat> but, excuse me, folks. Um, but Jason Garrett, this guy, I saw a graphic pop up the other night watching the Cowboys game. He's, he, there's only five or six coaches, I can't remember the number, that have, that have coached for, with the same team for more than a decade. All of the co- and, he, and Jason Garrett fits in, into that. That mix you see, right? And none of which uh, of that list, none of all of those folks have made it to a Super Bowl. Jason Garrett is not. Okay. Uh, Jason Garrett has not even ever coached in a conference championship game. Hmm. So that being said. He should have been fired probably four or five years ago. He should have been po- fired two or three weeks ago. He should be fired today. He should be fired tomorrow. But he won't be fired until the end of the season. So getting back to Eric's question. So that, that was a little bit of a diatribe there, wasn't it? Yeah, and you, you're... I'm steaming. You're steaming. You should see the, you should see the icon right my, now. He is sweating. My blood is boiling. He is, sit, he is standing on the couch while we're doing this. Icon... Get sit down. Sorry, sorry about. Get back down here. Thank you. Thank you. Get me and, under and address Eric's question. And, and the underlying premise of the question is: yeah. Does this Cowboys team go to the playoffs? Uh, this Cowboys team. I don't think they make it. And if they do somehow make it, is it is it the worst team to ever make the playoffs? Um. No, I'm sure there were some Chiefs teams that were probably worse. Oh, very funny. You just can't go one single segment. No, I just like I just like that haranguing a Chiefs just, season just, ticket holder like myself. That's right. I I can't. I got to get my shots super what fan. I can. A Chiefs like fanatic. Me. Fanatic. Yeah. Okay. Well, Eric, thanks for the question. Icon, thanks for uh, a impassioned response as always. And Icon, before we sign off tonight, do you have any parting words for our listeners? You know, I don't, except I do have one thing that I will just say real quickly. Don't give up on this basketball team. The, hold on, let me intro this segment. Our final segment on this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, the final word with oh, the outcome. I like that. Final word, I like that. And folks, my final word, don't give up yet on this basketball team. I think there's still a lot of potential here. I think they're close to figuring it out. Look very good tonight against an overmatched Alabama State team. However... I'm not giving you up yet on this basketball team, and neither should you. A poignant uh, final word tonight. 
Yeah. I think that was one of your best ever. I th- yeah, I think so too. Well, do you, do you have anything you'd like to add? Not this week. Not this week. I, I, I think that we, saving we your summed, thoughts for a different week. Yeah, I think we summed it all up pretty well. Uh, K State fans still upset about the the bowl selection. I hear you, but again, who cares? Um, shut up about it. You shut up about it. You know, it's, it's stop your belly aching. Yeah, who cares? Maybe we'll get a better. Well, we won't go to the Liberty Bowl next year. But if you want to petition the Big Twelve to pick bowl games on merit, God bless you. I'm all for it. But uh, as it stands, it's it's the bowl selection, and they think Iowa State is a better financial bet. You know what? From a financial perspective, hard to argue with them. Um, because Iowa State's still on the upswing of their program, and bowl games uh, like this aren't old hat uh, to them yet like they are for many K-State fans. So um, instead of going out and getting super pissed off on Twitter, just throw your hands up and say, bowl selection's stupid. And, uh, you know, enjoy the game against uh, a good... A, Top 25 team like Navy, and hope that K-State puts together their ninth win under Chris uh, Kleiman. Uh, yeah, I think that's well said, uh, D-Lou. And I'm just going to piggyback real quick off off that point. It, you know, you mentioned folks saying if they're upset about this bowl selection process and, you know, they're taking to Twitter, Facebook, social media, whatever the case is, uh, to, to not do that anymore. You, you I'm not saying they don't, ha- they don't have to do that. I'm just saying that... It's not gonna. It doesn't do any good. Yeah. Well, I'd say keep complaining about that unless, it, like, if if you're gonna substitute like talking about uniforms for it, then just continue to complain about the bullshit. We'd rather see you complain about the. Bull I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I would. Then talking about uniforms. Yeah. Just don't do that. Yeah. I I'm with you. Okay. Unless, I, I, unless you're talking about how icy and clean things are. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah. I, I mean that's. Yeah, I know you do. That's not that's not for me, but you know, I know that's kind of your thing. So yeah, yeah. All right, well, folks, thanks again for listening to this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We'll be back next week, uh, hopefully recapping a nice K State basketball win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I know the folks in Starkville are wanting to get revenge for this one. Uh, it's been uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the, all the people down in Starkville have had oh, this yeah. circled for a long time. They had this circled since, uh, since that third week or that second week in September. Yeah, they, we got to get those bastards up in Manhattan. That's what they've been saying. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this dead sincerity. Um, you know who the coach is of um, Joe Morehead, Mississippi State men's basketball is former Final Four uh, coach at. Uh, University of California, Los Angeles. Uh, John Wooden. <laughs> no, not John Wooden. Uh, you know where John Wooden went to college at? Uh, yeah, he went to... Uh, he was a North Dakota Sioux. No, he went to Purdue. So, oh for 2 for d here uh, on the trip. Well, we can't all be... Yeah, can't all be all, yeah, can't all be back-to-back... Uh, Two-time sports trivia champion. Yeah. So, Well, folks, that'll do it here for us on the short side option. Thank you for listening, and go Cats!